Darren, we'd better turn around. Why? Because I've seen enough horror movies to know any weirdo wearing a mask is never friendly. We are the things that were and shall be again. What was that film you were watching? Death, death, death. Death, death, death. Part two. Oh, Lord. What the prime time, bitch! What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks podcast. I'm your host, Tim Trashmouth Mills, and today my guest is the one and only writer-director, James Marandino, from the films SLC Punk, Tough Guy, SLC Punk 2, Punk's Dead, and a ton more. Now, before we dive into that, I just want to thank you guys for listening and remind you to go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all updates on the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so for $2 a month over on Patreon by signing up for the Trashmouth Horror Club. The link for that will be in the description. Thank you guys so much again, and here's this week's interview. I do like to uh, pretty much throw out the most basic interviewer question to start, and that's, you know, what inspired you to become a filmmaker? You know, was there a, a moment in time that really clicked for you that that's what you wanted to uh, do as a career path? When I was, I guess where I was about, okay, you know how The Exorcist was released twice? Yeah. It was, it was I think there was a 76 release, a uh, re-release of the movie theaters. And so when I was, I guess it must have been seven or eight, I snuck in to see The Exorcist in the, in the re-release. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was a Catholic kid and living in Salt Lake City. So, uh, you know, that movie was terrifying for a Catholic little kid. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's terrifying for a lot of people, but for a Catholic kid, you know, like the, all the imagery in that is pretty uh, aggressive. And, um, you know, and like, so uh, it was so terrifying that I was traumatized. I could not sleep for months and months and months. And uh, until my father, who he's an orthopedic surgeon, had a clinic at one of the ski resorts up there in, in Utah. Yeah. And he, um, a guy got injured was the effects guy for what was the main effects guy for the movie. Yeah. Actually, the Exorcist. So he brought him by, and he showed, and he showed me. He said, "Look, my son's really freaked out about this movie, The Exorcist." He's like, "Oh, I'll, I can help with that." So he showed all the effects and how it was like. You know, there was a, even the idea that, like, you know, there was a crew there. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, because it's you know, it's not just this little girl alone in a in a bedroom or just her little family, whatever her, her actress mother and stuff. Like, there's an actual whole film crew, and we're all laughing between takes, and he's showing us pictures of showing pictures of her laughing in her makeup and. So at that point, I said, I want to do that to people. Oh, yeah. I want to traumatize people. <laughs> that's so, awesome. That's how I got involved. That's why, yeah, that's like how I got interested. Oh, yeah. That's like having like a live action Fangoria magazine brought to you, you know, him actually showing you the stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I, can only, I can only imagine, you know, like, uh, you know, rewatching Exorcist now as an adult, you know, you watch some of that shit and you're like, damn, like, I can't believe they say some of the stuff they said. And then I could imagine watching it as a kid in the seventies, you know what I mean? That shit. Was I, I mean, <laughs> when you're like seven years old, you know, yeah. and you're watching, like, she's like, you know, uh, making her mom, you know, give her cunnilingus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like pretty like, wow, dude, you know, what was really like terrifying to me about that though, more than anything else was the doctor, the, the medical st- procedures, Yeah. the unnecessary medical, but like when they're doing the CAT scan, they put a, they put a thing in her neck and the blood comes out and they put a tube in there and she's screaming, which I, I don't even think they do that. I think that the, the, the director, um, Friedkin, was like, well, let's just uh, make this worse yeah. than, than, than a regular like CAT scan. Let's, ha- let's have them like, I don't know, inject her, you know, put a blood in her neck, you know, put a needle in her neck. 
you know, you know it's, that's stuff's the terror is really terrifying. Hell yeah. And I know exactly what you mean. Like when you're young, you don't really understand, you know, like, uh, like you said, you, you don't know exactly how much of a crew it is. So um, it's pretty, uh, you know, nowadays there's like pictures everywhere, you know, like all over the internet and, you know, like everybody talks about the stuff and, you know, uh, oh, yeah, it's no, all over but the news. But... There's no access to anything in the yeah. six. We, like, you know, we just had to sort of, you just, we snuck into the theater. I was hiding in the back of the theater watching this thing. Like, what is, oh my God. Yeah. Nowadays, as if a kid is watching the Today Show with their mom, they might see behind the scenes with, you know, on a set of a movie. So back back then, they didn't even do shit like that because there wasn't that much, you know, like news dealt with like. There wasn't that much interest in it. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. And then uh, going uh, forward, your first feature length film, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, Witchcraft 4. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Witchcraft 4. Yeah. I was uh, pretty uh, 21, 22. uh, And I am. I don't know. I got on the job uh, and uh, I had five days to prepare and then we shot it in 10 days. Uh, you know, it's just part of the series. I'm happy that I made it, but it's not a good movie. But, you know, but I mean, I mean, on the set, I literally was, you know, saying I'm so happy for this opportunity. But, you know, when we were rapping, I said, there's another piece of shit in the can. I mean, like that was sort of just my attitude then. But now yeah. the years they get people, there have been people that have that series has become like a because they keep going. Yeah. So, you know, after a while, you know, everything earns respect. So there's some respect for that series, even just even that it's bad. Oh, yeah. Now, and the fact that you even have like a finished product, you know, like you said, going into a film with five days, you know, just, you know, work on it, you know, to uh, prepare. And then you only have uh, and then it's also like a fourth film in a franchise. So you have you know, like a little bit to kind of deal with. I mean, I know it's not like, you know, like 100 percent, you know, like continuity, like issues and stuff, you know, I'm sure some yeah, of our stuff's budget done. was seventy five thousand dollars. You know, yeah. I mean, like it was it's pretty funny. I, it, it's just like I, it's a weird franchise, but I think I've been involved with worse project it was it was okay it just you know i mean julie strain was great to work with i was really happy to work with her yeah um so you, you know uh it was it was an interesting i was kind of almost too young to be on that set um at a certain point because you know there was nudity she wouldn't take off her top she wouldn't put back on her top yeah a lot of a lot of the time you know and um there was uh the crew was getting uncomfortable saying you know could you ask her to put her top back on you know and yeah. and uh I was like, she that I'm afraid of her. She won't. Because <laughs> like you know, like I, I you taught you asked her to do that. Yeah. She had just gotten these like implants, so she, you know, she had gotten double implants. She was very proud of them. Yeah, you know, she and everyone was. I mean, the key grips were like, God, dude, just you know. I mean, like it's you know, it's uncomfortable. My wife's gonna get mad. You know, like yeah. you know. And I remember on this on the way to the set, I was pulled over by the cops and they were they pulled me over for truancy they thought i was supposed to like I, they thought i was um skipping school oh damn. <laughs> you're like no i'm no, on the way to like, shoot a, a topless woman <laughs> i'm like no actually i'm on the way to the set we're probably not allowed to be on yeah. but oh yeah no and then no, no. I, no, I think it was, I was 21 so now I was, I was allowed to be on the set but you know barely yeah no, I know what you mean. Hell yeah. And, and that was uh, produced by Troma, if I'm not mistaken. What was it like? No, uh, no, it wasn't. It was, um, no, it was not. I know those, I know who we're talking about. Um, it was produced by Jerry Pfeiffer. Oh, hell yeah. And, and the, so it's not a Troma thing, although they might have bought the, cata- the catalog and released it yeah. years later. But I mean, because I knew Troma people, I, but this had, I, I was completely unaffiliated. Hmm. But I mean, I definitely knew the guy. I mean, because I, those are guys I used to see at every film market, every Comic-Con. All You know, when no one was going to Comic-Con in the 90s, except for nerds like me, they, they were always there. Um, yeah. Lloyd, is that his name? Yeah, um, Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was always, he's always around and he always had lots of girls around. And 
Yeah. You know, they always like make a big scene at the Cannes Film Festival or, you know, AFM. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, it was sort of right after Woodcraft 4, I was kind of, then I did another movie and then I did upstairs, this movie called Upstairs Neighbor and I was signed at William Morris and now it's already there. Like you cannot do a movie for trauma. So I was like, okay. Yeah. No, the Witchcraft uh, franchise is actually on the Troma Now app. And um, I don't know if they just do it with all the movies on the Troma app or whatever, but if they like almost every movie up there, they slap that whole like you've watched a Troma film before, right? Where it does like the do, 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 yeah, do. Yeah. And it yeah. says like uh, Lloyd Kaufman uh, presented by Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hers. It's yeah, I think they put that before every movie. So that's, that's what threw me off. But so uh, they bought so they must have bought the catalog, in which case, which they would then obviously put all their they must have paid yeah. Jerry. A bunch of money for all of the the you know the the title yeah in which case um then why aren't i directing you know movies like james gunn <laughs> right <laughs> no that's uh was, i will say though that uh looking through because i was uh watching a little bit of you know witchcraft 4 and stuff you know just to prep for the interview that uh there was comments up there and everything like on a few of the different witchcraft movies where people were stoked to see that you know they could find the franchise somewhere to watch it and everything so it, oh yeah like you said there's definitely like a cult following for that uh franchise for sure uh, there's a lot of good filmmakers that got that made each you know each one you know yeah. um and i i don't know any of them that took themselves too seriously and i think that's that was that's important with a movie like that oh yeah because then then uh you know i mean like it i mean it is like at a certain point like you do it like like when i was doing it there's a, we experiment a lot because i'm trying to work out ways to shoot yeah you know and learn the craft you, you know because you don't really get a chance to learn it in film school like that you, you know you're on a you're making a feature film you got to learn to shoot a whole movie yeah so it's a good place to learn and uh so as a result you know between like not taking it too seriously having enough an understanding of what it is and then like using it as a way to uh experiment there i think that it creates the sort of camp with style those movies you know that that then isn't so terrible you know like there's a it has a, its own thing yeah there's people you recognize in it and you're like surprised that they're there and you know it's that kind of thing i mean it's not like corman but that's what corman was like yeah on a bigger scale that's what i meant by not like corman it, you know what i mean like roger corman is the was the bigger version of something like that yeah where everyone like for scorsese to jonathan demi they're all did their movie peter bogdanovich all did a movie for the court for corman oh yeah no it's crazy how many people come out of corman you know come out of like uh you know corman's school of uh directors is what they call it a lot of times and stuff but uh as yeah. far as uh but as far as like knowing roger corman it's like really only filmmakers and like huge fans of you know like genre films and stuff really know who he is but when you actually talk to film like but like when you talk to those big filmmakers that everybody knows like martin scorsese you know they have nothing but praise for corman so yeah and coppola and yeah yeah, yeah and jonathan and uh, um i think i mean brian de palma I, there's a long list of really great filmmakers from the, from earlier though from the 70s and 80s yeah and then even as far back as the 60s that were in the corman arkoff i think his name is arkoff um sort of they came out of that yeah and then and then and then the other example is always is the charlie band stuff full yeah. moon stuff i'm sure you're familiar with those hell yeah 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 like I, I always wanted to, i never got a chance but I, mean, I was really young you know and uh i wanted i had friends working on you know in he had bought a house i think a mansion or a castle in in hungary or i think that's where he was yeah and he was shooting his movies out there and i knew the guy that was the castle was like completely bald he had no he had no hair at all and yeah. he played all his like freakish guys like in puppet master and stuff so i was always jealous that they were going to hungary to shoot these movies i was i was like i'd love to do that you know yeah 
but I never got a chance to do my Charlie Band movie. No, I mean, hey, it's never too late. He's still making uh, like pumping out movies for sure. You know, Full Moon's, uh, you know, it's got its own streaming app. He just released, he just started a video podcast. His first guest was John Carpenter. So, I mean, yeah, the thing is about it is that, that you go, yeah, I can't. If I did, like, like I can't afford to do that. I, no, oh, yeah. I pay you $2,000 to come to when you're like in your early 20s, you can, what the hell, you know, like, but yeah. I can't, I'm not going to Hungary to shoot a movie for Charlie Van for $2,000 at this point no. in my life. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's way different than it was in the 80s and 90s, especially. And then nowadays, like you said, it's like a, it's mostly for like the up and comers, you know, to kind of get a shot at, you know, making something before. But it's a good place for up and comers to, to pursue, though. I yeah, mean, no, if definitely. he lets you, if he lets you, he, he's not that easy approachable, but I mean, he's a pretty cool guy. And I, if you can, and if he lets you, I think he directs a lot of them himself. Yeah. So, um, but I guess he lets, if you can get on there. I mean, I have a, I know a DP that you shot a lot of stuff for him that I, I mean, like maybe 50 movies. I like, he puts okay. out so many movies. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That's how he makes a living. Like it's volume. Yeah. No, I think they just put out uh evil bong eight, eight, eight this, this year. Was, yeah. the, I think like, the is, he still, I, is he still in Hungary or did he come back to the United States? I don't even, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, uh, I would assume he's in the States just considering how much he's been working. I feel like with COVID and stuff in the past few years, it probably would have been hard to work as much as he did being, you know, out of, uh, you know, country, but. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I just, I don't know. I mean, yeah. like, there also like there's other companies like Abby learners does all his movies in uh, Bulgaria. I mean, like they do, they do still do that stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. I haven't followed too closely. Oh, yeah. But uh, a few years later, uh, like uh, around the same time as that movie, you, or a little bit before that movie, you talked about Upstairs Neighbor. You did a film called, well, it had a few different names. I think it was released under the name Tough Guys, uh, Evil Never Sleeps. Well, that uh, was after Upstairs Neighbor. Yeah. With Heather Graham. Yes. You know, how did that job come to be? And uh, what was it like working on, a, you know, a film with like a, a young star like that, you know, with Heather Graham? Was that a, a casting Well, I had done Upstairs Neighbor, and which had done pretty well at festivals and, and stuff so i done yeah. this with sebastian gutierrez who was a writing partner that back then and then he's gone he's gone on to write gothica and, oh, yeah. and um, I, I'm snakes on a plane that movie's fun as fuck yeah so he but i i wasn't involved with it. that's him but he was yeah. a friend of mine he's the star of upstairs neighbors so then i went so after that that was the sort of like inspired by Polanski, I guess, uh, like oh, yeah. you know, Rosemary's Baby or The Tenant and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I wrote another one called Tough Guy. It was called Tough Guy. And it was it was sort of supposed to be like repulsion. You, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, again, I was trying to learn my craft. So I found these guys that they, they said they'd give us they'd give me a couple hundred grand and they let me you know make this movie. So then my producer friend, friend of mine, Danny Kuchuk and I were able to um, cast it up and we went out and Heather Graham said like she would, you know, be, and Lisa Zane, we needed like, a, we needed, I, we said like this time, let's get some names so we can sell the movie at least. Yeah. Because Upstairs Neighbor didn't sell. I mean, they weren't big names then. They weren't, they were not, you know, big celebrities yet. Yeah. But they were, you know, she had been in License to Drive and she had, uh, like some movie where she's in the south or it's boxing and with with her i guess lover um james woods yeah and Tony peaks was around that time wasn't it as well or was that yeah but i mean she wasn't really that i don't think she quite got she i think that was right around the time she got in i forget yeah but um she also was in a direct store cowboy oh yeah um so uh we became good friends but we were for a while we were friends for, after that yeah oh yeah that's awesome uh going into it like uh like you said you know she was starting to kind of like come up did you like uh, is that one of those things that you know uh 
since you had been working on a few films at that moment, could you kind of see the stardom like rising with her or was, uh, I, well, I, I knew that she, I mean, she was already kind of like everyone talked about her, but yeah, just like in dealing with her, she was just so talented. You know, here's the thing about Heather is like, you know, when you sit down and do the rehearsals, she asks you questions she makes it easy for a director because she'll ask you a question. She'll ask you a lot of questions about yeah. absolutely everything. You know, like, why did she say this? What does it mean? You okay. know, why, what does it feel like to take, you know, acid? Cause I said like, it's kind of like you're on acid. Oh, yeah. what does that feel like? I mean, like, and what does that mean? You know, and she keeps going on. Like she asks you, so she's like a chalkboard. Oh, yeah. you just write it, And she's like, just, just write on, it. you know, and she just, so she absorbs it and then she comes out and she's a really good actor and then hanging out with her, you find out that's what she does about everything. Yeah. But, you know, like she, you know, she asks you about everything all the time. But I mean, she was, we were, we used to hang out quite a lot after that. I, I mean, I, was, I remember when she got Boogie Nights and I was helping her learn to roller skate and stuff. Uh, <laughs> she, she's pretty cool. She was, she was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and then, uh, but like you said, that's got to be, you know, way easier for a director because then there's less notes in between takes, you know, like, hey, do this this way. You know, she's already asked you. So it's, and just yeah, but she also just had this innate, I don't know, screen presence. She's just like, you know, she just grabs the camera. Yeah. I mean, then, you know, like it was like rolling on the rolling on her, looking through the at the monitor and just like being whoa. And it's funny because on that shoot, um, we shot it on, we shot it with this, it was on film. So mm. it's a 35 millimeter film. But we used um we used this camera called Ultra Cam, which we used to call Ultra Jam. It's a really cheap camera. For 35 and it would jam all the time so we all called it ultra jam yeah. <laughs> um and we shot on agfa and it turns out that the agfa stock that we got had been contaminated by chernobyl oh, um damn. so there were weird like and it actually now agfa went out of business as a result but well anyway but but um we shot it on we used i used i didn't mind it because it, it made the film look weird and and it was i thought that was kind of cool but like i was saying though that that Looking at her through a lens or through the through a monitor, it's you just feel like wow. Yeah. I mean, like just just to, like she just that's when you that's when I realized oh there's a whole thing that's what they mean by screen presence. Yeah, when you just like you just stop you for, I forget to say cut. You know when I'm watching her, you know, and, and I, I feel like I'm just watching a movie. Yeah, no, no, exactly what you mean. Just lights up the screen immediately. Type thing. Yeah, so she's yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Now, and then uh, a few years later, of course, which I don't think it was too much longer, but uh, that's when you finally did SLC Punk. If I'm not mistaken, this is, I've heard that this is like semi-autobiographical. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was based on myself and my friends. Like, I mean, some of the, a lot of it's just made up stuff. But I mean, overall though, like the anecdotes that are broader are like everyone experienced. Like, yeah. You know, going to Wyoming to get that kind of stuff, like the broader, Yeah. you, you know, like just the, 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 the mechanisms the mechanics of living in utah and, and being a kid you're being younger yeah you know you have to know the mech the mechanics of, of how to work it like you have to go to wyoming to get alcohol because the state run the, the, the liquor stores run by the state um you know the shows are held at the sort of the sort of community center you know like just that, that all stuff was all that stuff was real but then like the actual personal stuff i mean I, a lot of it's just i mean if you think about that movie a lot of it's just a rant yeah so it's just me musing on just stuff Oh, yeah. you know so i i don't like you know what i mean like he's just talking you, you know like about like how he thinks about things yeah so, so i mean that's obviously just me th thinking like that yeah but i think that i mean that lends into your writing though 100 you know that's how great it is because of uh you know that movie's become a cult classic and like you said it's mo mostly uh 
you know, it's a lot of monologues and stuff like that, but it's like, you just get so glued in and then like, you know, so many people agree with what he's got to say that it's, you know, definitely brought the uh, movie, you know, to be a lot of people's favorites and, you know, close to their hearts. Uh, I tell people all the time, it's my second, it's my second favorite movie of all time, but only because Back to the Future holds my number one, but. Well, that's a good movie though. Wow. Yeah. As yeah. I'm saying, my top three is that uh, Back to the Future, number two, SLC Punk, and number three is High Fidelity. So like, those are my three favorite movies. Yeah. yeah, so I don't, uh, but it's because like, uh, it's easily relatable. Like you said, you know, I was, I'm probably leaned more into the hardcore than the punk, but I definitely like love punk growing up and stuff. But I grew up in, uh, I'm in a small town in North Carolina. So, you know, I have to drive an hour to Virginia Beach to go to shows, you know. Uh, Where are you in North Carolina? Like an hour from the Outer Banks. So my sister lives in Boone. Oh, okay, that's like uh, I think that's like three or four hours from here because uh, I don't. It's on the it's it's inland, right? Like you're, you're yeah. close to the ocean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like uh, only thirty minutes from the Virginia border. So, like, but you uh, understand though that like from the point of view, of SLC Punk, it wasn't so much that I really and I guess some locals are angry that it wasn't like really representative of the scene. Yeah, you know at that time. But I'm saying I thought like you know there was no. I mean, it's a small town. Every town has a scene. You know, yeah. you know like so I wasn't really trying to sort of say that, that this, is a, this is a documentary about the scene in that particular town. I was trying to say that this is how outsiders, you, you know, and, and sort of that, that are in small or small, semi-small town or, you know, even like the small you know, communities survive or if they're not like normal, yeah. you know, or if they're not fitting, like, you know, they don't go to church and they don't like ride horses or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they're not. So I, that's why I felt like, yeah, like it could have been set anywhere, you, you know, like, and it could have been about any genre. I mean, like, the, this because of punk is that is isn't such as as important as it's like how to how do you connect, you know, like how if you're a little weird and you used to play Dungeons and Dragons with your friends, yeah, and everyone like laughed at you because you're just a freaking weirdo, you, you know, and and then you find like, well, I could you know hang out with these guys who will accept me, you, you know, like because at that time punk the punks that I knew they like they would let anyone come, they didn't care. Yeah, like, as long as you're willing to be like open, that you know, I mean, they weren't really particularly judgmental. So like, there was no gatekeeping then. Yeah, it, that's come later, but it wasn't really then. Not not when I was a kid. I don't remember anyone really particularly like saying like, "You don't belong here." That, yeah, that's the one place I could go. You, you know, I'm a Catholic in a Mormon town. That's the one place I could. You know, in the, that was in the D and D and stuff. So I could go with, with hang out with those guys and. And, and girls and what they you know like if i had a girlfriend whatever like my only chance at a girlfriend was a punk girl. i you know like i was not going to be hanging out with the cheerleaders you, you know and and uh so i feel like that's sort of like in most places all over the world is like that oh yeah you know it's i mean even in big cities it's like that so, so you know like there's like you have to find a place to fit so yeah I felt like that was, and so like, and I guess like you were, you said you were, you were into hardcore. So I mean, like that's sort of a similar like thing. Yeah, it's pretty much yeah, same community most of the time, you know, or yeah. overlapping. So yeah, and 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 that like in in you're in you know you're North Carolina, and and there's a certain sort of like there's the mainstream. Yeah. And I doubt that you would totally fit perfectly with the mainstream. You know, there's there's you yeah. have to sort of get around stuff. You know, and there's a, the and and there's like safety in numbers and that you know there's all that kind of thing. Yeah, but no, that's why, uh, that's one thing that, you know, like I said, you know, that connects me so well with the film and like a lot of people, you know, and the, that's what I love about it. Like you explained perfectly is uh, it's not really showing, you know, it does show parts of the, you know, it does show the community aspect as in like, you know, when he's, you know, he stops and talks to the mods, like, you know, there are different communities, but they know each other. So, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, uh, and like different parts of the uh, 
you know, it shows where they go to the show and it shows when they go to the party and they're all hanging out. So it shows the community parts, but it also like uh, the more important parts is like you said, it shows somebody who's a little bit different navigating in the world with everybody looking at you that way. Like, yeah, uh, like how I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, like they'll say, I remember after there was a review saying, and it was, I was like, this is what the movie was about. Yeah. It was, the Hollywood Reporter said if James Marandino had just, you know, dressed normal, you know, and wore, you know, and just and looked nor, just like allowed himself to be normal. Yeah, he wouldn't have to have been ostracized in the first place. In which case, I was like, "What, dude? What are you talking? I, that you know what I mean? Like, I didn't. That that was the whole point. Of, like, you just you just bullied me about the movie that I just made about punks. You know, like they don't need to exist. Yeah, you know, they just have to dress like everybody else. You know, and I was just like, I thought this is America, but also, you, you know, um, I really don't think that, that movie complains that much about being ostracized. It's just it, it, that that stuff with the cops. It was more about rednecks, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, I was a really skinny, you know, weird looking kid, and you know, like I don't know, and and I had my the things that I was into. So like to say that, well, you you don't have to look like that, or you don't have to be into those things like Dungeons and Dragons or music or whatever, you could just listen to country like everybody else. Yeah. It's just weird to me that you would even say something like that or anyone would think that way. But it's true, though. People think that way. They think like, yeah. why don't you just fit in? You know, and I'm like, I, and it's just it was just weird. You, you know, I mean, I do I do acknowledge that like, yeah, I guess I could have. I guess I guess I could have tried yeah. to look like a cowboy. <laughs> I don't know. No, I know exactly what you mean. I used to I used to live for Pepsi back in the day, like when I was in, uh, like just coming out of high school, and my uh, my hair is like down to my neck now, but it's like a little bit long. Uh, it used to be like a little bit longer back then. And um, I went into a country store like in the middle of nowhere, and a guy made a comment and like called me like the guy that owned it like made a comment to me while I was delivering Pepsi there, and like made a like a comment about me being like female, and yeah. like and yeah. I was just like, man, if I wasn't working, like you know what I mean, like thinking to myself, like not only did he only make the comment because it was like he like was abusing the power of me working but it was just like so unnecessary just because like i decided to have long hair i'm like not even that but it's like bro like fucking leonard skinner didn't have long hair you know what i yeah, mean like, that's weird too our bikers don't have long hair i that's yeah. weird to me too yeah that's that's weird so yeah. just like uh at the moment it had me like uh you know but i, I mean like, there's just this it's i because i was trying i think that i, I sort of missed the point because i wasn't saying because i think the guy was trying to say that look you know the experience isn't like as if like as if you're you're a black person and it's true i mean i, I yeah i'm not experiencing the country the way that a black person would right yeah. you know because they, they that's you know that wasn't the point of the the, the, the point of the, the that i was making is that in in a lot of circumstances where if you go against or if you're in any way different it had nothing to do with like race or anything like that if you're just different yeah. You, there's not much you can do about it. I mean, if you're coming, if you're moving to a small town and you're bringing with you like all everything you brought from, like that's a Mormon town and they all know, they've already paid you. They've already marked you for not being like everybody else. Yeah. You're not going to, it's not that, you know, you, you know I mean? You can't, there's nothing you can really do about it. You, you know, yeah. except just be who you are. You, you know, so I don't know. Like, so it was weird. Cause I, I was just, I mean, to me, the movie's just about, you know, some people are just outsiders. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's the idea that you can just change and suddenly fit in is is kind of you know ridiculous. No, I know exactly what you mean. It's like for people to compare it to like you know skin color is crazy because like you said, it's like you can decide to just listen to country, but why would you not want to be yourself? Yeah, you know what I mean? Happy. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, uh, but it's not, not it's definitely not on the level of racism, you yeah. know, like you, you, you know, can still change that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't change your skin color. You know what I mean? Like you can't change, yeah. if, you know, now I know exactly what you mean. It's like still an option to do something about it, but then it's like, but why, make why, why would you for, have to though? Like you yeah. shouldn't have to either. No, the fact that people think that it's so easy to just do something different, like, like yeah, I'm just going to pretend to be in the country because everybody's in a country and I, you yeah. know, I want to be accepted. So I'm going to go like, yeah, I'm going to listen to, you know, your, Hank Williams and I mean I don't you know like I, that's this isn't even like yeah. I mean I just it's just weird because it comes from a lot of people who talk about freedom too you know a lot you know and yeah. you're like you're like well I you know um you you want you need to be free to choose between country and western you yeah. know <laughs> you know is, is that what you're saying you know and and with cowboy boots or you know I, I you know like certain kind of whatever like it's either a, a you know a, a a Stetson hat or a Borsina. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. You know, like, you, you know, like, I mean, you can choose your gun. I mean, whatever. I, I, I mean, I just don't like, I just didn't understand. Like, like, why would you care? I, I would, you know, and then also because I did look, I, again, I was really skinny and I looked like a girl. Uh, I didn't have facial hair. Yeah. So, um, the, you know, they also just assumed I was gay, you know, or, or, or a girl. Yeah. I mean, I used to get beat up for it or they wouldn't let me in the guy's bathroom and stuff, you know, cause I was androgynous. I, I mean, like there's nothing you can do about it. I was just physically skinny. Yeah. Really yeah. little, you know, and, and looked a little feminine in my face, you know, it wasn't, it was round. <laughs> so yeah. I looked like a really ugly girl when I was a little kid. I know what you mean. It was like, but what can you do? Like, I mean, if I want to have long hair, I'm going to have long hair. And then it's like, yeah. you know, if I, I eat, what else am I supposed to do? Like, yeah, I know, right? I try, I try to put on weight. Yeah. I can't change it. You know, so, you know, and, and, and they were like, just change, you know, you're like, oh, well, I guess, I'll, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Cause even if I dressed up like, if I tried to dress up in like hunting gear, I would just look like, you know, a tomboy. So, yeah. you know, like, there's nothing I can do about it. Anyway, uh, it's funny. It's funny. No, I know exactly what you mean. That's the thing is they always want you to change. And then once you change, they're like, wow, you're not being, you're being fake or, you know, blah, blah. so it's yeah. like, there's always some, they find something. You know? Yeah. yeah. But uh, when it came down to casting, you know, Steve and Bob, was that, was either of those guys, you know, people that you already had in mind going into the film or no, you know, did they no, come along or casting? Uh, I, I really didn't have anybody in mind. They, oh. they just, uh, we had casting calls. Yeah. And auditions. And so people came in and auditioned. So um, oh, yeah. they, I cast from that. I saw a lot of people um, and uh, I just like, you know, when, when Matthew Lord came in, I, you know, he came in twice because he, the first time he came in, he, he did, he said he didn't really like it. He was messing with my head. Yeah. He got me to think about him. And then he said, well, let me come back now that I like it, now that you pitched it. So I, so I, you know, I was like, okay. And, and he, he had the energy though. I, I liked he, Oh yeah. He, he was spot on. And then Michael also. So um, I mean like, so, so uh, yeah. So we just cast it like, the way you cast those kind of movies oh yeah is there any uh anybody now that's like kind of famous that almost got cast in those roles at all that would have been like funny or anything i just always like to ask that just in case but yeah we um i dish i talked to jared leto i <laughs> talked to heath ledger jack black i mean there's like everyone came in a lot of everyone came in yeah toby mcguire matt damon oh, yeah. i mean he it was that was more of a like an interview um yeah uh, the, I think even Ben Affleck. I'm thinking I'm missing some. Oh, Vin Diesel. I think put himself on tape. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Play that. Bob. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you know, it was. I don't know. There was a lot of. I mean, it was. It was 1997. So not a lot of the people I'm talking about weren't even. Yeah. Except for Matt Damon because he had just done. He had just done Saving Private Ryan. So like, I think that was more of a long shot. 
that if even I had said, okay, I want that, that guy, they would have, he would have said no. Yeah. But so, sometimes actors will consider even when they're, when they're, when they're just coming up like that, you know, like he's also already done good with Will Hunting. So there's no way, but they'll still consider stuff, you, you, you yeah. know, like, and then, but then like, like, it's just impossible. There's no way that guy was going to do that movie. Yeah. But Heath Ledger hadn't done anything. He came in and he auditioned. I, I said, I didn't think that he could do an American accent at that point. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, that that was sort of how our, the cast director and I felt that way. Uh, but, I mean, because Jan de Bont was executive producing, everybody came in to read. Oh, yeah. It was also because Jan de Bont was executive, executive producer. He had just done Twister mm. and um, he had done Speed, you, you know, he not the drug, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, he he was uh, so from the and he's casting directors were casting it. So, you know, from the from that point of view, every you know, Chris, Christina Ritchie came in. I mean, like, oh, yeah. you, you know, like from that point of view, like they they'll send you in just because for the courtesy of Yonder Bond. Yeah. You know, and, and then the courtesy of the casting director. So even if they're not going to do. So I don't know if I I mean, I'm sure Jack Black, he wasn't really doing he was doing Tenacious D and stuff like that. Like he wasn't really. I think Bongwater might have been out at the time. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean, he had well, he he had been like in Cable Guy. Yeah, he was about to do High Fidelity. That's the movie that everyone like said he's awesome because he yeah. sang in that. But so, but like he hadn't gotten that part yet. So I you know, and he knew Michael Gorgon, their friends. So if I had cast him, I'm sure he probably would have done it. Um, I think he would have. I don't know. Maybe I maybe would. I don't know. Um, but. Um, it seems like he would have. Uh, so you know, I mean, it just depends. Like, and and like, yeah, it depends. McGuire hadn't done anything yet. He was. He had just. I think he had just done uh, a short movie with uh, with Steven Spielberg's wife. Yeah. So I, that, that's all I had known him from. So, yeah. So I don't know. Oh yeah. Now I figured he was be- like everyone was like, but he's really hot because he was hanging out with um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. So they were saying like, he's. This is a tough. This kid's a tough one to get. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. that was one that uh i figured that there'd definitely be some like cool names in there just because like you said you know casting back in 96 97 a lot of those people now are like you know that's the people that have come up now to be like the big names and movies and stuff so yeah you know, they were trying to come up then you know but no it's crazy especially uh i can see what you mean though with, like heath ledger like even some of his more american roles early on it's still kind of like his accent definitely did peek through he's a great actor i'm not knocking his you know i love his work and rest in peace yeah. but i definitely see what you mean you know especially when he's younger you know and you haven't really seen a full film from yeah him. i mean he i didn't even he everyone was saying this guy's gonna be huge you yeah. know and i was like i'm sure he is because he was a really big presence and great you know but I just felt like that he was that Australian accent was really there, you know, and I just was like, that's going to be something I have to work against. And and um, so I don't know. I think that was that was the reason why I didn't pursue it. Now, again, yeah. I can't say that he would have done it. And I get you never, you, yeah. you know, you just because it came, someone comes in to, to rehearse to, to do it, you know, to, to audition for you doesn't mean afterward when you make the offer, the agents might say, oh, you know what? He just decided to do this other thing. You, yeah. you know, you just don't, there's no way of knowing that. So I'm not saying that I turned these guys down. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that yeah. would be, that would be rude to say that, <laughs> you know, like. Which plus, even though like, uh, they could have done great, you know what I mean? But I felt like you definitely picked, you know, the right. And Matthew was made, awesome. So. And I'm more yeah. than happy that he was, I'm glad I picked him, you know. Like, yeah. As you can see, I'm obviously. I'm glad like, he said yes. Cause also he could have said no too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like he, he just auditioned. He didn't have to do it you know he, it was it's an independent movie oh, it yeah. wasn't like he was being offered a million bucks and going like okay <laughs> you know like uh, you know he was it's a little movie yeah hell yeah no and as you can see i'm a scream's my favorite horror movie so it's like i'm oh, just yeah. like, matthew lillard's just uh one of my favorite actors period so you know being with an you know slc being my second favorite all time and then screaming yeah. my favorite horror so because he had already been in scream and 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 in yeah. hacker 
Oh, yeah. So I, he didn't like, again, he could have definitely, he was on the level that he could have said, yeah, I, I was like, I hope he says yes. You, you know what I mean? And they were negotiating and he finally said yes. So it wasn't like I just chose him and automatically he said, okay, like you have to talk, you have to negotiate with like some of that. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's crazy. I, mean, I, think, I guess if it was his first movie he'd ever been auditioning for, he probably would have been, a little, it wouldn't have been like, you know what I mean? Like, but he was, he was already bringing like a lot of weight behind him. Yeah. Just like you said, you know, we know when you need that enthusiasm and, you know, like the monologues and shit and the way he delivered some of the stuff in Scream, like right there kind of shows you that he has that, you know, enthusiasm and shit. So. Yeah. But uh, hell yeah. So uh, and then a few years later, you worked on a, a horror film called Death Club. If I'm not mistaken, this this is a film I honestly have not seen and I really wanted to fucking watch it because it sounded amazing. But oh, it's the hard- one in Argentina. Yeah, yeah, I don't even have a copy of that. It's I'm super hard waiting. to find. I contacted a producer saying, like, I need to see a. He's looking, he's tr- trying to get me a copy. I just can't, I haven't gotten able to get a copy of, of the movie, but it was, it was released in Argentina. It's, it, it, it the tra- it's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting movie. It's pretty fun. It's, okay. um, there was, I, you know, when I went down there, there's a, there's a great horror scene down in Argentina. Like, yeah. like, they're, like they're, that, that, I, every filmmaker I met are just crazy about horror and they do pretty good stuff. You, you know, I, I mean, I met quite a few filmmakers who made really good horror movies though. Yeah. For nothing you know like this i met these guys that made this movie called rooms for tourists which was okay. in black and white and i was like they showed it to me in, in my hotel room because i was down there for a festival and i was like oh my god this this is awesome this movie is awesome you know where like these girls go to get an abortion they get stuck in this weird like evangelical hotel oh, it, it's you know and and then um there's just so many other there's just so many great horror guys down there yeah now yeah. I saw I saw one uh, a few years back. It was like semi recent. It's called. It's actually called Terrified as well, which was like another name in it that ended up being given to Tough Guy. Tough Guy, yeah. And, um, but it's an Argentinian horror film, and it's fucking awesome. And the premise is pretty much like very. It's very simple to like tell somebody the premise, but um, there's way more to it. But the simple premise is pretty much uh, instead of one house being haunted, an entire neighborhood is being haunted. But it's it's like a really good fucking uh, horror movie. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, Argentinian uh, horror is definitely like underrated, you know, like it's got some, a bunch of good gems and shit like that. It's, it's a big, um, it's a big thing for them. I, I like, it's a, it's like, they, like they love, I mean, I was down there and I, and then I ran into what's his name? Jordan Gordon. You know, he directed um, reanimator. Oh, Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon. Yeah. He yeah. was there. I so I was hanging out with him and like, he was like, wow, these guys are really great. They love. And, and I told the story when I was on the set of, um, I told them to say, uh, I was on this. That's how I ended up staying and making a movie there, is just because I, you know, I was down there for a festival. Oh, and okay. I was like, oh, telling, yeah. like, you know, I was telling all the, the guys that down there that I was on the set of Escape from LA. And they're like, oh, Carpenter is God. <laughs> you know, I mean, these guys know their, their, their horror movies. Yeah. So wait a minute. Damien, uh, Damien Ruga, Ruga. I wonder if I, he's the director of, of Terrify, the movie you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I think I know this guy. Yeah, I met this guy down oh, there. Yeah. The guy that did that movie, yeah. So yeah, so they're they're um that's an interesting industry. Like it's a, it's a whole industry, like uh, you know, and they make them for nothing, and, yeah. and they're really good. Cold Sweat is another one that's good. Uh, it's called Cold Sweat. There's there's just a bunch of really good movies down there. Yeah, so I haven't seen this one though. Terrified. It's called it's called Aterodos. So ter- terrified. Yeah, it's on uh, Shutter. If you have Shutter, um, I think you can rent it on like Amazon or something for cheap. But I'm not 100 percent sure. But but yeah, I definitely recommend that one. And then of course, uh, it's funny that you bring up Reanimator because I interviewed Brian Usna a few months back. Uh, you know, the producer of Reanimator, and he ended up directing the sequels. And um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they ended up doing the third Reanimator, Beyond Reanimator, that he directed. Uh, I think they did that in Argentina as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, Gordon was cool. Stuart Gordon was cool. And I love all those movies. I love I love all those movies you're talking about. Hell yeah. And then um, what was it like, though, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, because if I'm not mistaken, you did like another horror film around that time called uh, Evil Awakens or something? Uh, what was Evil, it? Oh, no, it was originally called Trespassing and then they yeah. changed it to Evil Remains. Evil Remains, my bad. But, and, uh, well, that's okay. Uh, I try to forget it, too. Uh, but I had good actors in it, particularly Clayne Crawford. Oh, yeah. And it was, um, and uh, he's still he's still friends with him. You know, like we went to New Orleans to take advantage of that tax credit they have down there. And yeah. uh, I don't like. I mean, like it's not as good as I I wanted it to. I imagined it to be better than it was. The problem that I think that I had with that movie is that I do dark humor horror really well. Um, oh yeah. So upstairs neighbor and tough guy that kind of stuff like because those are kind of comedies as well as horror. Mm-hmm. Like, upstairs neighbor is basically like this guy downstairs. Uh, becomes aware or, or begins to become suspicious that his, his neighbor upstairs is a Satan worshiper and is trying to curse him, he, you know, and, and take, take him over, you know, take over his, his yeah. being. So he, and it's, and he fights back, you know, and, and it's like, and you're not sure if it's happening or not, but it, it's, you know, it's like, it's violent and it's bloody and it's crazy and it's, you know, and it's, it's funny. Yeah. So that's what I sort of didn't, do with the, the trespassing movie is I didn't include my humor. I mean, normally I do. So, so uh, I feel like as a result, it, it sort of was a little weaker. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't, I, I just wasn't, I was trying to make more of a straightforward 70s horror movie as opposed to, you know, um, you know, including my sort of weirdness that I normally do. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I won't do that again. No, I know what you mean. And uh, is horror something that you, uh, is, a, is that a genre that you uh, particularly, you know, like to dabble in? And is that something that you can see yourself returning to in the future? Or Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny, but uh, I'm supposed to shoot, I'm supposed to shoot a, uh, it's, he, he keeps insisting it's a thriller, but it's a horror movie. Uh, it's a script, it's this movie uh, called Deep End, oh. which is based on the, the, the turn of the screw or the innocence, the movie, the innocence. Yeah. Um, and, but it's modern. And it takes place in Spain, so I might do that. I think I'm doing that. I'm also I'm on a on a, a slasher movie that that these anim, these animal rights activists wrote. They're British, and and they, they wrote this sort of vegan horror movie, what animal okay. rights activist horror movie. So it's basically just like a bunch of animal rights activists going up to a to documenting horrible you know conditions at a very very poorly regulated pig farm. Yeah, and they become the subjects of the of the. Uh, um slaughter yeah. so so uh you know and, and it's pretty i you know and i find i find it funny so so you know I, i'm all i'm down for it so i mean i'm i'm signed on to do that as well so there's so i mean the two of the three movies that i have going are horror movies like straight up horror. well one's more sort of psychological the other one's is slasher oh yeah really violent movie oh yeah i definitely keep an eye out for those they both sound uh pretty interesting for sure i definitely check them out but, yeah, uh, one's called Kill Floor, the one in the ones that, that about the pig farm. The other one's called Deep End. That's the one that about sort of psychological, the kids are creepy kind of hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, of course, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, one of your most recent releases, and then, you know, of course, the sequel to SLC Punk, you know, it came out a few years back. Was that a story that, you know, that you always wanted to tell after you kind of ended, you know, uh, SLC Punk? And yeah, I mean, I wanted, to re- I wanted to revisit it. And I have another script as well that was more about steve but we couldn't work it out with Matthew. So, yeah, I just didn't have the budget to do the other one. So, I, but I, I thought I would be fun to do it 
one where I'd revisit, you know, a younger, a younger generation of, you know, um, kids. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I always thought it's not a sequel. It's more of a, just a spinoff. Yeah. I mean, it just exists in the world of, of, of that more than to, to me, more than anything else. It, you know, like it exi- it's, it's just, that's the sandbox that I made. Yeah. So um, it just, they just exist within that, the periphery of that world. Oh yeah. You know, Cause I, I mean, like the, the interesting story would have been, steve-o and what he's done as a lawyer yeah which i have that script again but it was just going to cost so much money it takes place in five countries so like it's was going to cost a lot of money no i got you is that something that sort of follows my trajectory so you know i i you know i didn't stay in utah you know i i I went i went around oh yeah is that something that you wouldn't uh that you would uh like think about making in the future or is that something that you kind of just i don't know i just like if everyone is up for it you know i would do it I, i you know like um and the budget was right uh, yeah. So it just depends. I mean, like, but I mean, I really need, I would need Jason Siegel to come back too, because he's a big part of it. And, you know, cause he's in, he's in, uh, he's saving trees in, 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 um, and no, he's, he's actually, he's in Africa building schools Yeah, <laughs> and he gets kidnapped by like, I don't know, by like a warlord, you know, and, and uh, becomes friends with him. So I don't know, you know, you know, like, like it's, you know, it's, it's um, so my cat was wanting to get in here anyway. So, uh, so I don't know, and 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 Matthew's character is—he's in LA, he's in Harvard, he's—I I don't know, like it's hard to, you know, like I mean, we're also like not young, yeah, as we were, so you know, we'd have to, and and because it takes place over years, I would have to sort of—I mean, now they have that deep fake stuff where you can make him look younger, and, yeah, you know, which boy, I mean, like Scorsese tried to do it, and but I mean, I guess those guys are really old. Yeah, their movements kind of can't really do what they need them to do. You know what I mean? Like, that, I hate to say I, it, but... that is the problem with that. It's not yeah. about the face. It's just like, I just understand, like, why didn't he just get a stunt double? Because he can't, when he goes out to shoot him, he's, he's like, like, he's kind of like, goes like, <laughs> like I gotcha. <laughs> you know, and he's pop, pop, pop. And I'm like, dude, you're moving like you're like 80 years old. Which he's close to anyway. <laughs> yeah, like he can't really. His back will throw out if he tries to. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't he just get a stunt double for that stuff? You, you know, like I mean, <laughs> like I, a body I, double know, or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, because like it wasn't like so much that their faces didn't. It's just their faces, the youthfulness of their face didn't match. And I think a lot of people miss that. Yeah. Like I'm saying, like it's not so much that like they do look a little plastic, you know, a little like um, wax figurey, but that's not the problem. The problem is that like it's not like Sam Jackson in. Um, was um captain marvel yeah because sam can move yeah you know, like he's young right but uh, de niro can't so when he's got a young face he's still like walking like an old dude yeah you know so that's what i think is so everyone feels that's off about that like they're like they don't they don't feel it i think you called it straight up it's like they move like he moves yeah. like he's really old right so, <laughs> i mean honestly i don't know why they were so held back. I said, I said, why don't you just cast younger actors like they did in once upon a time in america yeah it would have been such a better movie you know like with like the energy of the younger person and all you, you just cast young guys there there are good actors out there and yeah. they can play them as older I, I, like they did it in once upon a time in america like perfectly fine when they they do it like where they're kids they recast them when they're kids and then they play them. i don't know i just didn't i don't know why they didn't he didn't do he really wanted to try that technology and it's just like dude, it's just about the face man yeah and being such a like old school filmmaker you think scorsese like you said would have just cast some actors and kind of done like the looper makeup where they kind of just like put some shit on your face enough to make you look like de niro you know what i mean like put his chin on you or something you know what i mean like just enough to like flex your face to where like they can get you know kind of bigger name you know you know younger people and stuff 
or at least you know somebody that you know uh that's what i would have done i mean if you're yeah. gonna do it i just don't understand like what i don't know how he could look at that and think yeah you know he's he's moving like a 20 year old yeah. hitman you know he's almost 80 like i mean like i'm not it's not nothing against the nero he just he can't he, he runs out of a he's supposed to run out of a thing and like you know hit a guy yeah you know, and he's like he's moving like he's eight years old you know like i i don't and it's funny too because you could have used and you also could have just used a stunt man yeah. because it was kind of a, a long shot you, you know and I, I just don't understand it i don't understand like what what he was thinking there yeah it's not just about makeup and that's all that is is makeup right like it, yeah. you know, it's just cg it's it's digital makeup you know it's it's, it's snap app <laughs> whatever like, maybe uh scorsese is just so old that everything else is moving like the maybe. whole time for him or something so he's like they're moving so fucking fast man when really he's well, just I think like, maybe he just committed to it in a way that he just didn't i don't you know, like, i don't know he was overconfident about it or he might be stubborn in his old age he must have looked at it and said oh, God, how do i make these guys i don't know i don't know yeah like i pulled pesci out for this shit we're making it work <laughs> like yeah 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 i mean again though i still think they could have done it where like show them as older and even like even like 10 years younger but then, like, cast for the young, early stuff, like when he's in the war and shit, like, just cast somebody else. Yeah. You know, like, you don't, you know, like, I mean, just it'd be a better movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I thought, because it's a good script. So I you know, just it was like, felt there was no energy there. Yeah. No, no, exactly what you mean. And that's a long movie to have no energy in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then, uh, but of course, uh, going back to SLC Punk too, uh, another thing with that is, you know, you brought back a lot of, you know, a lot of the, you know, old cast and crew, you know, from Devin Sawa to James Duvall, you know, you know, Trish, uh, Trish's character, you know, uh, Mike came back, you know, to play Bob. What was it like, um, uh, you know, having all those guys back and, you know, uh, you know, just working with them again, you know, after all those years and, uh, you know, I know you worked with James Duvall in a few projects, if I'm not mistaken. And Michael. But, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. those guys have been friends with forever. So, and, and Devin, it was great to see Devin again. And then he and I, have cooked up we want to do more movies together like he, Fuck he's, yeah. he's, he's 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 having this comeback he's awesome yeah um, i loved uh hunter hunter that movie that he did was oh fucking God, amazing was so good yeah, yeah i was like devin's back i was really good yeah and then he's in the chucky series and he's in you know he's like back in horror he's like, yeah which is he did his... fred durst movie uh fanatic oh yeah he did yeah. the thing with with um with john travolta yeah. yeah fanatic it was kind of funny we talk about that the role should have been reversed because uh, Devin should have been the Stan because he played the, the original Stan yeah. for Eminem. Um, so, you know, he knows how to play that like crazy fan. And, you know, it would be funny if John Travolta just played John Travolta, the famous guy. Well, plus, like, I mean, that, it'd make more sense like age wise, too, because like for John Travolta to be a fan of him, like Devin Sawa couldn't have been famous for that long. You know, no, like, no, it doesn't. I, I, yeah. It just felt like, and I think that he would, I don't know that he, I'd have to talk to him about it. I just feel like that would have been fun for me if, if I would have really loved it. If John Travolta just played John Travolta, Yeah. you know, like just trying to be the nice John Travolta guy, you know, like, man, you don't understand. I, I'm like, I'm not the character. And and then Devin being this confused Stan, like yeah. he was in the Eminem, you know, video, you know, like, and not sort of be ableist. <laughs> like that was weird, you know, like, you know, like saying like, oh, he's autistic, so he's dangerous or whatever the hell the 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 the, the neurodivergent problem he had. Like, just make him a crazy stand. Yeah, that was one thing that kind of threw off the movie for me was just the fact that he was a little like they made it clear that he wasn't like normal mentally. And I'm like, ah, I feel like that maybe shouldn't have been the villain of the movie. Yeah, I mean, because that's just not. I mean, look, I'm not like it's not about like PC to me. It's just like yeah, and it's like true though, and it doesn't ring true that a guy like that 
is going to be all of a sudden just this like crazy violent guy you know like it just didn't like it's a weird it's like punching down it doesn't make sense you know like it's not like he's um like he's autistic i think right or he's he's got some sort of yeah it seems like he might be on like on the spectrum you know what i mean like he might yeah, just be and, slightly and autistic other learning disabilities like that why yeah. does it, all of a sudden he's like this guy who's gonna also i don't know just and he the way he plays it is just so like doesn't feel right yeah and it does there's nothing wrong with just a guy who's just way too into you. it's creepier to me if he doesn't have any problems other than he's just way too into you you, you know like he's just way like he's just uh, anger issues and is like a and is a, like more like de niro and taxi driver just a confused guy yeah you, you, you know that's just way overly into like and i think Devin could have done it really well yeah just way hyper aggressively roid raged into you know like john travolta and yeah. let john travolta literally play john travolta like wait nicholas cage is playing nicholas cage in this new movie yeah it would have been fun you know to see that i would have like thought that was awesome you, you know like he's going like because he could have quoted movies you know like movies like carrie and stuff you, yeah. you know like actual horror movies he was in and blowout you know like you know like um it's a good scream. It's a good scream. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, could have been funny stuff. That could have been like a darkly humorous, but fucking terrifying scene. If like, you know, at the end of the movie, Fanatic, for anybody that hasn't, I mean, for anybody that hasn't seen a spoiler, but I mean, I'm sure if you want to see it, you've seen it by now. But uh, if it's, uh, you know, at the end where he shows up in his bedroom or whatever, like if Devin Sawa walked in in a prom dress covered in blood. <laughs> oh my God. That's it so was funny. like. Because he's yeah. really buff too. Yeah. So like, yeah. That shit would and be like. like and not sort of like, oh, hi, I'm, I have a problem, but like, like, like with flowers weird, in his hand very, and shit, like, yeah, like, and he's like all road, road, road and he's like, yeah, he's being like, he's in carry, and he's like, you know, like, like, um, they're not gonna laugh at you, laugh at you, you know, like, yeah, it's like you know, saying like, that and shit, like, dirty yeah. pillows, mama, mama, yeah. no, that shit would be like and, so and, terrifying and, like, and humorous at the same time, like, and John Travolta's like, um, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> That was like my first movie, dude. (laughs) I was just trying to, do you understand? I was just trying to break into the business. I was also in Welcome Back Carter. You know, like you're not doing like, you're not playing Mr. Carter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so I think it would have been an awesome movie if they reversed the roles. Yeah. It would have been awesome. No, I agree 100%. And that's, uh, that was one thing that I was excited to see, you know, being a Devin Sawa fan, just the fact that he had that resurgence, you know what I mean? Like, even though the film, like, I wasn't a huge fan of that film, like, overall, it wasn't a bad film, but his performance was amazing in it. And it was, that was something I really enjoyed about it. Was, he knew the assignment, he did a good job. Like, he did an awesome job in that. Yeah. I think that's they both did. I just think that, I just think that it would have been, if, if I had been able to advise Durst and those guys, I would have just been like, guys, reverse the roles. Yeah. It's just, it, it's, just it's asking you. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like saying, please let him be John Travolta as John Travolta. And who knows? It might have been, uh, that might have even been a creative choice of Travolta and it could have been too intimidating or something for Durst to like correct it. You know, you never know what happened. I have no idea what I, I'm yeah, sure like so. that would have been a, a, but I mean, I would have pointed to being John Malkovich. I would have pointed yeah. you know, and, and appealed to John Travolta's sense of like, whoa, those are good. That's good stuff. I yeah. mean, even Jean-Claude Van Damme was so awesome as Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. John Claude Van Damme, right? <laughs> you know, like like that was the best I've ever seen him was in that you know that movie where he's like a, he, the faux document. It's like a faux found footage, right? Where it's like no, him. no, he's just Jean Claude Van Damme. It's but it's a it's a normal action movie, right? And, oh, nice. and he's at a bank as Jean Claude Van Damme, and people come in to rob the bank, and like holy fuck, Jean Claude Van Damme, <laughs> you know, and he's like. You know, and, and I think they make him help him rob the bank or something. I forget the, the plot line, but he ends, in, ends up in prison 
and Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> showing guys how to fight. You know, <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's just, it's a good movie. It, I, you should check it. I think it's just called his initials. Yeah, like JCVD. Or, I, I remember yeah. seeing it when it was coming out or whatever. I think I might have even just seen a trailer of it. There might, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's like a scene or something where he's filming himself working out or doing the splits. I think that's what made me think it was found. Yeah, finished, yeah. But, that's what he's yeah. in prison. He, he's helping the guys. So there's like footage of them. Yeah. Like, helping the prisoners learn how to do like his moves and stuff. But I mean, it's, it's really like, it's so self-aware that he's so aware of his, like, you know, who he is, yeah. that, it, that, it, that it's, it's, it's fun to see. And I think that, it, I mean, if I, you know, if you could, I think you could have appealed to John Travolta, like, I mean, particularly if you show, like if you, you refer to back to uh, being John Malkovich, mm. you know, cause Malkovich knew who he was, you know, like this sort of like actor, he, he knew he was aware of what they were doing with that. Yeah. So, you, you know, like, and you said, I would just say Jean-Claude Van Damme has the self-awareness to be able to portray himself. Then I would say, you know, come on, you know, John Travolta, you can do it too. Yeah. You know, like, and then also be a great way to sort of just remind everybody of your amazing career. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you don't have to just stay with the horror stuff because you could also be a fan of Pulp Fiction too. So, you know what I mean? Like, but it'd be nice to like, it'd just be fun for him to go back to his horror stuff because like, there's at least two horror movies that, are really awesome that he did the two De Palma movies. Yeah, that are just—he's great in both those movies. Yeah, so you can even reference uh, *Devil's Reign*, which you don't even see his face in, but he's in it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would even go back to the Scientology movie. Yeah, like, really into that. That would have convinced John Travolta too, if you've been like he just loved the Scientology. Or uh, Michael, the one, the one where he's like from what is it called? Planet like where he plays this like from another planet. Yeah, I think it's called Michael, or is it Phenomenon or something like that? This was called. There, I know he's no, in no, Phenomenon no, no, and then no, Michael. No, it's that really weird one where he plays like this sort of alien. I'm thinking of the movie where he's an angel as, as Michael, I think. You know what I'm talking about where he has the wings and shit? Oh, I absolutely do know what you're talking about. But I'm talking about this. There's a movie that he did that people say is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> and oh. uh, and it's actually, you know, like, it's funny, but it's... it's we well, got a few of those, though. Gotti was, I heard, pretty bad. <laughs> well, Gotti's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like... This is, I never saw it, but it's called, um, oh my God, it's like Project Planet Earth or something like that. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, fuck, uh, shit. Uh, and it's basically based on an L. Ron Hubbard book. Yeah. And it's based on the, the, the ideology of, of, of Scientology. So for him, it's an important movie and he still loves the movie. So if you wanted to really appeal to him, all you need to say is also like, he should, you know, Devin should be a huge fan of that movie you know, but misunderstand it. So then John Travolta could explain what it's really about. Yeah. You would have hooked him that way, <laughs> you know, because then he could like defend this movie that he thinks is like one of his best movies. Right. Uh, and they can make jokes like uh, towards the end when he's like, kill, like doing whatever to him. He's like, I even liked old dogs, you know, shit like yes, this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. And like, you know, look who's talking. Yeah. But, um, like, did they really need three battle, It's called Battlefield Earth. That, yeah, yeah, where he's got that dumbass makeup on and shit like that, where he's yeah, got like it's dreadlocks. And shit. It's, it's, I think it's literally like, yes, it's from the novel by L. Ron Hubbard. Hubbard. Yeah. So it's it's literally the Scientology sort of mythos or, or the sort of the the, the dogma of, of, of Scientology. Yeah. So I, I don't know, like I would have definitely like, there's so many movies that you could he could have been into. Um, <laughs> that I mean, there are horror movies and then even, you know, but even saying that like, you know, he even liked... Um, you know, look who's talking. I, I don't know. I mean, he did the remaking of um, Taking of Pelham One Two Three, even right. Yeah. Now for a while, that that's the thing is people knock uh, like Nicolas Cage for that whole like just being in any role type thing, but John Travolta did that shit for a minute too. Like, 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot and it's yeah. like life on the line. That's another one that, 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 that Devin was in. So he's done a couple movies with Travolta. Yeah. I think it's the same producers. I think that's why I think all those guys are the same that, that so, so Devin did a bunch of movies with Ted Fox and Ted Fox did a bunch of those movies. Oh yeah. The producer. So I think that's why, but um, I don't know. Like it just, yeah, I just think that uh, anyway, that's that movie. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I would have, I would have, I would have seriously geeked out if if he had started talking about you know blowout, yeah, you know, and and just you know and Carrie, I would have been like that's just you know, you know, and he's John Travolta going like, well, on that set, you know, because there's like really funny things about blowout that what happened like when they shot the the, the scene at, at the, I don't know if you know the movie, I've seen it, but it's been like it's uh, it's one of those that like I've watched with my parents as a kid, so like I remember seeing it, but I don't remember like Jack. You gotta watch it, it again. So yeah. the end of the movie, John Lithgow is like this is basically killing Nancy. I think it's Nancy Allen. Yeah. And um and the fire. It's on the Fourth of July in New York, right? And he's trying to come save her, and he's got her wired, and he can't save her in time. Whatever. But um so there, spoiler. But um. <laughs> So you can cut that out. If you but the point, though, is that they're shooting this on on they're shooting that scene on the Fourth of July. So they're they're getting all these great fireworks, right? And the story goes, and I don't even know, but this is the story anyway. Yeah. That a um, a PA was supposed to drop off the uh, the, the the dailies because they shot it on film. Yeah. The negative, right? To get to get developed at the lab, and he left it in his car, and the car was stolen, or the, or the whatever the cab or something like that, and it got yeah. stolen. And they disappeared and they're gone and they had to reshoot it. And this guy was like, just destroyed this PA. Yeah. Um, and they literally had to like fake the, 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 the fireworks and everything. And it was a big, big deal. And I always love to hear him tell that story as he's tied up to, uh, to you know, to, to, to Devin Sala is like trying to go like, <laughs> but that was real. I thought that was all real. You yeah. know? <laughs> Like, it's not my fault, man. <laughs> I had to steal it. <laughs> no, that's a... Uh, that's, that's, that's a good movie to watch again, actually. What, Blowout? Blowout, yeah. Blowout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like, he's a sound guy who just gets caught up in this whole, like, conspiracy. And, and and then John Lithgow is just normal, creepy self. And it's just like, you know, it's really great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry to get you on a conversation about John Travolta and the I fanatic. Know, I, know. <laughs> I'm probably a bigger horror nerd than yourself. So, you know. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, real quick, do you have like a favorite of all time horror movie or the Exorcist? Fuck yeah, <laughs> definitely a, a ten out of ten perfect horror. That's one of those that, uh, like, even though like Scream's my favorite horror movie, like I definitely like would say that Exorcist is, is a better horror, like way better movie. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I, but I mean, otherwise, I do like you know, I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I do think Scream is an awesome movie. I like. I like the, the ones coming out of Korea. I like the ones that came out of Japan. I like uh, I like I like those Mario Bava movies more oh, yeah. than Dario even Dario Argento. Dario Argento, but um, I like uh, I'm kind of think. Um, I mean, I just there's so many. I love Carpenter. Uh, like I said, I I saw I went to the set of Escape from L.A. Yeah, I, I was I was really good friends with Valeria Galino, who was oh, in yeah. that movie, uh, and so she had me come down to the set. And then John Carpenter's like, come here, check check out how we shoot this. Fuck and there yeah. was a scene where where he's Kurt Russell gets hit with those those uh, those nets from those guns. Yeah. So I was there, like he's like, here, look through the. He's really cool to me. He's like, you know, come through, look at the monitor, and you know, like check it out, and and like all those buildings weren't there. Yeah. He, I guess he just rotoscoped them in. They were just like they just had the sandbags along the street, and, and basically we're in the desert. Yeah. Um, and then he put those all those buildings there. So 
Fuck yeah. I don't know. That, that was, you know, I, so I like, I like the Carpenter stuff. I wish they had given George Romero a hot, like, I remember George Romero before he died was trying to make a, a zombie movie. Yeah. Just a few years ago. And they wouldn't let him do it. And it was weird. Like they wouldn't, no one would give him money, like a million bucks to make a, 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 a zombie movie. This is the guy who invented yeah. that concept of the modern zombie during a time when zombie movies was, there was an, a zombie movie explosion. Yeah. And the guy who invented it couldn't get a million bucks to make a zombie movie. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like if I had a million dollars, I would have given it to him. Said like, of course, make a zombie movie. Yeah, like we'll definitely make that million bucks back. There's no way. Like it's fucking Romero. Like his name alone will make you a million bucks. That's what I'm saying. Like George yeah. Romero's new zombie movie. No matter how bad it is, like I would have seen yeah. it. People would have seen it because it's like you know he he invented you know Night of the Living Dead. He's the guy. So I don't know why they didn't. Yeah. I don't know why he was having such a hard time. And also, Gordon had a hard time too getting money for a movie, even with his with the star from uh, Reanimator. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's uh, sometimes it's just like things get weird. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm right there with you, though. I love all those, like, uh, you know, foreign horror movies as well, like, you know, Japanese and Korean. And then, uh, like, especially, like, the Italian horror, like, Argento and Bava. I was even almost brought up, you know, the Sergio uh, Leone and Bava, con- uh, not Bava, uh, Argento connection, where we were talking about, like, you know, how Charles Band, like, taught a lot of people. And same thing with... Oh, a um, lot of people worked with, with Sergio Leone. Yeah, even yeah, a lot of Italian Bertolucci. Yeah. I think Ar- Argento and Bertolucci and... Pasolini all worked on Mario Bob on um, Sergio Leone movies. Yeah, it, it's writing the script, working on the scripts. Yeah, they kind of like learned from him the same way that like a lot of American filmmakers learned from you know uh, Roger Corman. Initially. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, yeah. it's uh, no, I'm a huge fan of all those. Even like uh, early Fulci stuff. Like I like his crazy shit, but I uh, really like like don't torture a duckling and like you know more of his uh, yeah Giallo type shit. So yeah, but hell yeah. But uh, also, I like there's a movie called Let's Scare Just to Getting Death. Is, is fuck like yeah. A, is like a popcorn favorite of mine. I mean, some of those older ones, but yeah. I still also like the new ones too. I, I mean, I, I mean, it depends, but I, I don't think that I mean, people give heredity. It's a hereditary. Yeah. A bat, like they give it a, a lot of people don't like it. I thought it was good. I, I thought it was like, I enjoyed it. You know? Yeah. No, I love that movie. I mean, like it just at a certain point, people get annoyed. Like, I guess they get annoyed at it because A24 is like supposedly pretentious or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, I like Midsummer because it's just really violent. I like the violence in it. Um, Impractical so, effects. You can't be mad at that shit. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you know, I mean, I do understand why some people are sort of some of the true horror. It's a little too, it's sort of like punk music is a little too popular. So they, get, yeah. they don't like it that much. Too slow. Um, just like, you know. They feel like it's ignoring their sort of like you know um, the, the the commitment they make to because like the horror fandom is is they're a committed fan base you, yeah you know, and I and if you get and if you snub them and you're making horror you know they're not going to feel good about that you, you know so yeah sometimes a twenty four might do that as a studio might kind of say well we're we're doing elevated horror we don't do you know we don't care about the your masses you know and it's like fuck yeah. off. what are you talking about <laughs> now, I, I personally love like their movies and stuff like that but as a company sometimes they don't rub me the wrong way but i'm like oh you come off like even more hipster by doing that like i don't <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like the- well i mean i think that they're started by a pr firm uh, yeah. or no a pr guy a big pr guy and pr guys he was originally like a pr the the, the guy the head of the company so he was in public relations and i would say not that i know him personally but that i'm not particularly charitable to pr people yeah i don't know that they, they're not noted for their humanity yeah it makes you know, sense <laughs> publicity people are, are you know, like have uh, trade in gossip yeah and in in like you know all kinds of 
you know, I mean, like they can also make your career, but it's a pretty rough and tumble, you know, sort of uh, career path. And you have to be, have a certain personality to be a PR person. Yeah. And so then heading up a studio and if you're going to get like a little arrogant about it, I don't know. I mean, they're kind of like the new Miramax. Uh, they filled in that gap. So I don't know. So, I mean, so, I mean, I'm glad they're around because like, there's some good movies that come out of there and, and yeah. there's, a lot, there's a glut of good horror, good indie movies. I mean, there, you know, there's a, there's a, not a there's a, um, we're missing a, like, like, like indie movies have fallen off because there's not a place to watch them. Yeah. The same way there used to be. So, uh, you know, they, but they, they're doing fine. So, no, I agree 100%. Especially because, like, uh, nowadays everything's so flooded with like original content. Like, Netflix will flood it with its own content instead of buying, you know, like independent movies to put out. You know, same thing with like Hulu, all that shit. So it's easier yeah. to create a contract with Blumhouse for 100 horror movies that are all made by Blumhouse instead of paying this guy, you know, for his horror movie, they're paying this guy for his, you know, or this girl for her. But know? also, Netflix has this very policy, this policy where they, they will not pay very much either. So it's not, yeah, they really have like a cap on everything. Yeah, it's 50 grand, I think, for two years. So yeah. um, that's that's like that means you had to make your move. I mean, like that's pretty much if you sell to Netflix, you're pretty you're pretty played out. Yeah. So you, you just sold out for $50,000. Then your movie had to cost less than $50,000. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. And, then, and then I mean, that that's not like no one can make a living doing that. So if you're not making a living doing that, then you're getting dilettantes making hard like movies. Yeah. And if you get dilettantes making movies, you're going to get a lot of bad movies. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 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 you know, like trust fund, dilettante kids. I'm not saying they're all going to be bad, but I'm just going to say a lot of them are going to be bad because they're doing it because they can. Yeah. Not because they, you know, because they just have a lot of money and they're bored and what the hell. Yeah. Whereas like the, the people with the real hardcore passion to make movies are having a hard time finding a way to make a living doing it. Yeah. Now, you, you know, like is if when they're trying to break in because it's like, they well, they're like, because buyers aren't giving the proper amount of money to buy their movies. So they end up, you know, having to make the movie for 50 grand. They really can only afford the one after yeah. that they're broke. No one made any money off it. And then like, you know, they, they they're out. Yeah. And I think that's terrible because like they're just squashing. I think that they need to, to I think that somebody needs to, to um, stand up and say, you need to pay what you guys used to pay. Yeah. Cause you're making what you used to make. You're making even more than you used to make. So yeah. like, you, you know, you, they, you know, there was, when I was making indie movies, before I made SLC Punk, like, for instance, Tough Guy, we were talking about Tough Guy. No one saw that movie. You, mm. you, know, very, I, you probably haven't even seen it. But that movie sold to Germany. Okay, that, the, the, the budget of the movie was 300 grand. Yeah. Germany bought it for $400,000, just the one territory. Hell yeah. Without even, like, caring about, like, Heather Graham or any of that stuff. They just, that was what the price was. Yeah. And Italy bought it for 250000 Spain bought it for 100000 uh, France bought it for two hundred thousand. You know, the U.S. I don't. I think they. I think they gave us like one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. I mean, that was like everyone made money. I made money. The the investors made money. We all. You know, we made. We did okay, right? So, yeah. um, so I can make another movie now. Those all those territories because of the internet and because of the way it's sort of they're sort of say they're trying to push this idea that well everything's being pirated. Uh, so we can't buy and it's just not true i mean no one yeah. pirates a movie you never heard of so they've just it's a way that they've sort of get this content down so they've upped their profit so so what ends up happening is the people that make the most money are the last people to touch a movie yeah and the people that make the least amount of money are the people that spent the most time making it and and you know like i don't know like maybe i'm sounding like you know i don't know anti-capitalist but like 
I'm pro filmmakers, you know, yeah. so, I, you know, I mean, like, I think they should make more money. Yeah. You know, I think that they should be able to have an, you should be able to be an independent filmmaker and, and have like a nice middle class career. Yeah. And not like make less money than you would if you worked at a McDonald's in Viter, Texas. Yeah. I mean, which is what you would make now, like less than that. You know, I mean, like, because you, you, you're not going to get good movies. Yeah. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just like, oh, poor filmmaker. It's like literally like everyone's losing out. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't have the budget to make the movie they necessarily want to make. So they cut down their movie. Or they can't afford to make it. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, like they, they, they have to work. You know what I mean? Like, and, and they really should be, it should be a profession where you can make. And it, it's just a question of they, and it's not like it can't happen because it used to be, I was making a perfectly fine living. You know, yeah. making one movie a year. I, I was making a very good living doing that before I made SLC Punk. I made seven movies or six movies before that. I was making a perfectly good living. Yeah. SLC Punk was sort of like, I lucked out with that movie being more successful. Than, but but I was just making these little indie movies and they all made money and they made money for their distributors. And that was a perfectly fine, you know, how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Now yeah. the distributors, if I go to Germany, if, if I'm starting out and I took t- Tough Guy now to Germany with the same up and coming style cast and everything, mm-hmm. they would give me maybe 20 grand Damn. instead of the 400,000 they give now. Yeah. <laughs> I would be lucky to get the 20 grand. Yeah, so yeah. that's the fucking that's a problem yeah. you know like that's why when people say a lot of people ask me well what why what's happening to independent movies why are they not i'm like it's because this is the reason why yeah you can't you know, go you right into making another one because you you're still broke from the one that you just made so yeah i mean like if you were if you were even in the horror genre i mean if you were if they were paying what they used to pay you see because of how cheap the cameras are now yeah. And how, how much more and how much smarter young filmmakers are than we were then because of just how much more access to information they have. You should see better movies, not not worse or the same. Yeah, you should. And a lot more. You should be seeing like scream all the time. You should be seeing. You know what I mean? Like you should because these these young filmmakers should have these like be able to make a living doing yeah. that, you know, and and and. And, and it's these guys, and I, and I keep saying, like, you need to pay more because you're choking off the industry. And as a result, all these fans are having to deal with movies that aren't up to, like, the level of what they like. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, there, like, there should be a Blair Witch Project every year that, that, that's as interesting as that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's not, it just, it's just they're choked off. So, like, I mean, even today, like, if you did Blair Witch Project, again, that, that movie would not have made, they just wouldn't have bought, I mean, they could have made, it would have, I mean, that caught lightning in a bottle, but I mean, like, if you tried to deliver that, I, you know, like, they'd be talking about $5,000 for, you know, a territory and stuff instead of what they they bought it for. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, just, it's just, I think it sucks. No, I know what you mean. They they wouldn't want to put that same marketing, like, that they put behind it, you know, nowadays because of the money it would cost. And, like, yeah, Blair Witch wouldn't get the same treatment it got, you know, no way. You know, like, the way they sent it around to people, they kept it a secret. Like, it would have yeah. been blown up before it came out. And then, yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. It's, uh, it's very sad, but at the same time, it's like. Um, well, I mean, I think you can change it. I just think that I'm. I mean, I keep trying to advocate to maybe start like a a little indie indie union, yeah, indie filmmakers union, Hell yeah. where we sort of all sort of demand, like, just get everyone to sign up and say, like, look, no product unless you know you like pay us for it, like, like yeah. what's fair, you know. I mean, I'm fine because like I've been established, so like they can't really undercut me, yeah. Um, cause I have a quote and everything, but I just think that like, I'd like to see better movies. I want to see more better movies from young 
filmmakers and their points of view because like they would have a more interesting new point of view that's the whole point of the evolution of, of art yeah so i would like to i would like to see more movies uh, you know from and i'd like to hear it see it from from a, a those there's now two generations i'd like to see from millennials and gen gen z zoomers i'd yeah. like to see both because like i i have not seen a really good representation abroad i've seen some movies i've not seen a broad representation from millennials and i've seen almost no representation from zoomers yeah and i should have because like god damn it when i was in my 20s i was making movies and you had access to it yeah so i did if i would, that's the, that would be the age of a zoomer now no i know what you mean it's like uh there's a very few filmmakers like right now one of my favorite like filmmakers that does almost everything on his own and i feel like does like quality work is jim cummings i don't know if you've seen any of his i work. can't believe you i'm i'm yes i know jim cummings yeah i love uh the beta test i was gonna was bring great. him up yeah. Yeah, was, yeah yeah i love uh but the wolf of, uh wolf of snow hollow is like one of my favorite movies that come out in the past like five or six or yeah i think it's not f- even five years old at this point i think it's only like two or three but a couple years old yeah because before that he did thunder road yeah um, the guy's awesome and his model was interesting because he he kind of crowdsources and and then he he does well in france so it's like the french picked up his his movie and it made but even then like the big celebration of that guy was that his movie made like 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 three hundred thousand dollars yeah france that that like you know like is a big success story now yeah in in 1999 i mean slc punk sold to um united states for 1.5 million dollars and that was considered like okay yeah (laughs) you know i mean like so if i if i went out and i made a movie now i made a little independent movie now and i sold it to just the united states for 1.5 million dollars it would be front page breaking all the records yeah Right. And, and so like that's but yeah, Jim Cummings, the guy's awesome. Yeah. I want to work with him. He's yeah. amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. Now, I would love to see that collab. Like I said, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. And you can tell he loves the craft because all of his movies is like he's not sticking himself in one genre. You know, he's not like I need to be a, a horror filmmaker and break through. He's like he's just making what he writes and wants to make, you know, same thing like yeah. you do. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's not just one genre, which I mean, there's a ton of people that don't do one genre. But you know what I mean? Like. Uh, no, but he's, just... he's thematically he's got a dark sense of humor and that's i that's why i would love to work with that guy. i would love to work with him yeah i even have a script that i want him i want him to be in okay um to be the star of so uh i don't know and we're talking i'm talking to my producer is actually doing something with him so they're, they're he's talking to him right actually oh yeah no i'm a huge him fan and the, and, the, and the kid from it's gonna say i wanted to start him and the kid from the other werewolf movie uh the, the werewolf within Oh, uh, Josh Rubens, I think his name is. Uh, he also did that movie, Scare Me. Werewolf. I think, yeah, Scare Me is, oh, is that a, wait, no, he did a TV series. The Werewolf Within is. Oh, you're talking about the kid from Destroyers. Yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, it's, um, what, how come I can't find it? Sam Richardson? Sam Richardson, yeah. Yeah. yeah I always forget, it's Sam, it's Sam. Yes, yeah. Sam Richardson, he's also in a TV series um, that's about, like, the keeps from different points of view where somebody gets murdered. Yeah in the house and they think it's him um yeah i want him and jim cummings and they and i know that they know each other because the guys that made werewolf in london no i'm sorry it's werewolf, in london, werewolf was within yeah is also um also worked with jim with jim cummings company hell yeah so there's there's a connection between the two and i just think those two together would be just awesome yeah. they, like sam their sense of humor is a really like spot on so i don't know i don't know we'll see what happens I, I'm, I'm i'm pushing for that right now we'll see Oh, yeah. No, like I said, I'm a fan of both of those, so I'm definitely rooting for it. And then, of course, I'm a fan of yours, you know, when Ash should be on my show. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, hell yeah. So um, I have 
two quick questions for you. Well, they're really quick, depending on your answer. So my final one is one that I like to ask all my guests. And it's pretty much, you know, do you have a horror story of your own? And it could be something, you know, from where like uh, shit just went horribly wrong on a set one day, or it could be from something in your personal life. And if you believe in uh, paranormal. Wait, what type, do you mean by a horror story? You mean like something horrible that happened or? Wasn't uh, that's what I was saying is uh, really can go either way with it. Like if it's something like uh, like I've had people tell me about being held at gunpoint, but I've also had, uh, I've had people tell me also about their house being haunted. So it's like really whatever, you know, you've uh, anything. That no, you've honestly, I've actually had a perfect life and absolutely nothing has ever happened bad to me in any way whatsoever. Really I'm joking. <laughs> hey, I've had people up here like, I don't think I have a horror story. And I'm like, bro, like I have at least like. Yeah, of course I do. Um, like I don't even know which one to talk about. I mean, so I mean, like, to what extent do I believe in ghosts? I don't know. I don't, yeah. but I mean, I also, I don't not, you know I mean? Like I'm open to it. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm open. I would love it if they existed. I would love that. Right. But I, I'm not like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, well, I wouldn't even know what that means. Yeah. You know, like what, 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 what would like, how does that work? Why do they have clothes? I don't, you know, I, you know, I mean, like I have a lot of questions. Yeah. So, you know, um, if you know you're, you you know you die and you continue on, I don't know why you're hanging out with you know at, the, at, a, at a graveyard. You yeah. know, goes. I don't know what are the rules who make and who makes them. You know, like there's lots. You know, like lots of like you know questions. Yeah. Because um, it seems like you're kind of free. You know, like whatever. Um, I'd probably hang out somewhere. You know, I don't know in, in the south of France or something. But when we were shooting that movie Trespassing, which Evil Remains, mm. we shot it in this plantation house. That was notoriously haunted, you know, oh, um, but uh, the, I was going to try to, well, let's back it up. So where we're, we, they got us on the location, like location, that move, that location has been in shot. Like it's even in 10 years of slave. It's, it's a common location, Oh yeah. Um, but it's, it's a pretty creepy place and uh, it's, it's, it's supposed to be haunted. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I mean, I've heard that I've lived in houses in LA that are supposed to be haunted. Yeah. I've always heard noises. I used to have like at my house in LA where um, I live in New York, but mm -hmm. I used to live in Los Angeles where I had a house in the Hills and I used to have people come over just to hear, like we would have a little party and at midnight the, we would hear the people, someone upstairs from my bedroom walking around. Oh, so we'd have people come over and witness it with me, you know, and like, so, okay, now quiet. It's midnight. Let's check it out. Yeah. And you'd hear somebody walking around, like someone's trying to get ready to go out, like in high heels. God damn. Then you go up and you can't find them. And we've all like sort of speculated, well, maybe it's raccoons. I, I don't know, but like, definitely sounds like somebody with high heels opening and closing drawers, but yeah. whatever. And at the same time, every night, it's kind of like, like yeah, it was, yeah it, was, it was pretty much every night. In fact, like, it was funny because like, I had moved out of that house because I broke up with my, my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And then my new girlfriend had said, hey, this house is for rent. And it was the same house. So I was like, let's move back in. And it was this awesome house. I was like, okay. Yeah. So I moved back in, which is weird. And as we moved back in, we were sleeping downstairs. It was in this huge living room. It was in the it was in this old house built in the twenties with this giant living room. And there's also above was a really big bedroom, but it was like a three bedroom. It was a huge house. Yeah. And so we were sleeping downstairs with all of our stuff because we haven't unpacked yet. And then at midnight, she's like, "What the hell? Who's upstairs?" I was like, "Oh, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> yeah, this house is haunted." <laughs> Like, can you or like, move back in? <laughs> allegedly, you know, um, or it's, you know, raccoons. So, you know, and she was like, oh my God. So, you know, I have been, I had, and also like, there's like stories on at the Ambassador Hotel where someone saw like this woman in white and actually there was, a, he brought a case because he got so scared. He fell down an elevator shaft and he brought it to court for like paranormal uh, damages, whatever. Yeah. Got thrown out. But um, so in Louisiana though, in New Orleans, in this house, 
there was um it was this was particularly interesting because like um as a director the the, the crew the, the 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 art department was trying to fix up the attic yeah and i got called up said oh, you got to come down to the set because no one's going in the house so i'm like what the hell are you talking about he's like no one wants to go in the house i'm like why don't they want to go in the house just go like there's like just because i don't want to talk about this come down and I had to drive all the way over the bridge. You know, it's New Orleans is, is the town. And then the, the, those old plantations are over on, on Lake Drive or whatever the fuck that is yeah. over the thing. So um, drive all the way out there and, and to get on the set and everybody's standing outside. And they don't want to go in, in the house. And, and I'm like, well, what's going on? What's the problem? And they said, because there's, it's haunted. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're, you guys are all adults. Like, what are you? Yeah. <laughs> what? What? You, like, no, I am not. I'm sorry. I am not going in that house because I had brought a crew from LA. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, like, like they're just not going in. And I was like, I'm like, you guys, are they hurting you? Like, one said that I got hit with a hammer, and like, you know, like their hammer was missing from their toolbox. Yeah. And then when they were looking around for it, it hit them in the back of the head. Right. What the fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but maybe you placed it up high and it fell on your head. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Somebody whacked me with it and it's still gone. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, how do you know it was a hammer then? You, you know, like, and they're like, I know what a hammer is, you know, like whatever. I'm like, you get hit a lot of it. Anyway, so there was that. And then like other guys pissed off because his tape is missing. They stole my tape. Like, who's they? You know, I mean, like, what yeah. are they going to do with your tape? So I mean, and there was like, and they're just freaking out and like, you know, I don't want to get possessed. You know, one of the guys says like a story where he was once possessed. <laughs> like so he's still traumatized by being possessed he doesn't want to be repossessed you know so you, you know i'm like all right all right all right all right i'm gonna fix this yeah okay and i was and i made up this whole thing like look i, I didn't make up that I, I did study theology when i was in college yeah in italy i said but as in part of that studying italy i met the the italian priests and this is all i made all this up i said so i know and i met with the this, the, the secret division that, that deals with exorcisms as part of research for a paper that I did not do, but I told them that. And so, yeah. so I know certain things about exorcism and they did know that I went to school in, in Rome and they did know that I was, I'm a director. Yeah. So, uh, so they felt like, you know, daddy was, so I went in there, even though I'm younger than pretty much everybody. Uh, so, but I walk in to the house. I didn't mean at the time I was younger. So I walked into the house and I said, you know, um, uh, on behalf of you know Jesus and you know and 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 all that's holy and all this, that that I um I respectfully ask that if we may shoot here uh, we don't want to you know shit you're yelling this to to the, the the people the spirits that are trapped in this we we respect your space we respect your home please help us in our endeavor do not hurt us do not harm us we we wish you no harm um i say this in the name of jesus and blah, 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 blah. made up a whole thing like it was some kind of ritual yeah. i even took in dirt and i threw it around you know as if it meant something and apparently that made everybody okay because everyone went back in and, and apparently stopped the the activities but um <laughs> that's that's like you know to, to me that's the funniest story that i have about like hauntings and stuff yeah uh, though i personally didn't experience anything in that other than like it didn't yield a great movie yeah um maybe that was the <laughs> no that's uh that's wild though you know like that they you know whether they truly experienced it or not you know just the fact that they were that spooked to not go back in there you know what I mean? yeah i mean they i mean i don't think they were lying yeah you know they were definitely like they weren't going back in you know it was a, it was an issue um, yeah oh yeah uh, except for the locals would go but the locals were like yeah it's just this house and stuff like that. They, yeah they, they weren't afraid of 
Like they knew, they knew what to expect coming out there, I'm sure, you know. Yeah, it was my LA crew was a little, just a little bit spooked by it. So I don't yeah. know. Uh, so I'm and now if they listen to your podcast, they'll know that I made up the entire my entire ritual. <laughs> you'll get a you'll get a paper served to you for uh, paranormal, yeah, paranormal uh, damages. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh yeah, but uh, well, uh, pretty much uh, when I said I had two questions left, my final question was I just meant like the final question was, do you have anything that you want to you know let the people know about before I let you go? I know we talked a little bit about your two horror projects, but I know you said you had three on the way. No, there's the two horror movies. I'm doing a series, which is, did you ever see Man Bites Dog? Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, years ago, I made a movie that was a little similar called The Invisible Life of Thomas Lynch. Hell yeah. It was about like a, I'm a film part of a film crew that follows a, a hitman around Staten Island. And we just film him doing his hits and stuff. And it's sort of this comedy. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't, something they came back, somebody came back to us and said, like, we would like you to make a series out of that. So I'm currently shooting that. It's called Great Kills. Okay. And it's a series and it's like, it's, it's me. And I mean, like I'm the, I'm the director, but I'm also in it as the director, like in, like yeah. in Man Bites Dog, you know, like Remy yeah. is a part of the show. Oh. So, um, and we're sort of follow this hitman around Staten Island as he does. It's really violent. And we, um, and you know, the crew's reaction is very like sort of, that's really interesting. Why did you do it that way? You know, and we give him a hard time and, you know, like, and, and we sort of mock that he's from Staten Island and he's not that smart or whatever, <laughs> you know, and, 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 um, and then it's a really dark comedy, you know, it's like, cause it's pretty violent, you yeah. know, and, and then, and then our, our not taking it at all. Like, like we just like, you know, we, you know, like, like there's Lisa is my sister's there trying to get good shots yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know and she's like no no i gotta get a good this is a really good shot and he's like you guys are sick you know like um and he's the one that does the killing so oh, i don't yeah. know it's so it's this um that's that's what i'm working on now oh yeah and then um, and then later on i'm trying to do this movie called arthur killed road which is um that's the one where i want to try to get those guys in so i'm trying to work that out i, yeah. they, I don't even know they're ready yet we'll see what happens yeah hopefully that works out because i definitely would love to see them in a movie together and then of course you know especially if you made it so that'd be awesome yeah thanks but, yeah. Oh yeah, and I'll be on the lookout for uh, great kills as well. That sounds that sounds super fun. So, but yeah, if you go to my Facebook page, there's a try. Put the trailer up. Oh yeah. So, um, or maybe I'll just link you to. The, I'll, I'll link you to the trailer if you want to see the trailer. Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate it. Now I've uh, definitely seen a few. Uh, I've seen some stills and stuff where you were supposed to working on it. It looks super awesome. So I'm excited to check out the trailer for sure. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I appreciate right, you man. coming on, man. Uh, I had a blast chatting with you. Yeah, it was good talking to you too. Definitely, man. Have a good night. Okay, you too. Bye. And as usual, I just want to say thanks again for listening and make sure you check back next week as I'll be joined by the one and only James Hart of the Metalcore Icons 18 Visions. Also, don't forget to go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all updates on the podcast. And if you'd like to sign up for the Trash Mouth Horror Club for only $2 a month over on Patreon, the link for that is in the description. Thank you guys so much again for listening. Remember, only posers die and stay safe.